Greetings, you're listening to podcast number 166 of Blast the Right. I'm your host, Jack Clark. Great to have you on board. Today, an examination of a phenomenon that's recently come out into the open, the right wing's worship and hardline defense of the ultra-wealthy. You'll hear the who, what, when, where, and why. I have some exclusive stats for you that may well blow your mind. The picture ain't pretty. Let's get right into it. Your sources today include MediaMatters.org, The New York Times, the website of the Gallup polling organization, Quinnipiac.edu, Politico.com, USAToday.com, and the website of the City of New York. Here's a little vignette someone wrote into a newspaper. It seems that some New York City travelers were having difficulties in Florida with weather, airline connections, you name it. Quote, we waited outside for the hotel van in the howling wind, wearing light clothing suitable for Key West. Other stranded passengers joined us, each enveloped in self-pity. We were all ranting to each other and to anyone who would listen on our cell phones, loudly cursing the airline that had sent only two agents to reschedule hundreds of stranded passengers lining the concourse. As our van circled the icy roads of the airport, a pleasant-looking woman wearing a Mothers Without Borders sweatshirt spoke. If you want to see long lines, you should see the ones in Haiti. Those women wait all day in the heat for one cup of rice and a bottle of water, and then they must return the next day to wait again. For the first time that day, our intrepid group of New Yorkers was silenced. Close quote. I thought of this when I recently listened to a bunch of Fox News personalities start whining and complaining, also about a situation that requires some perspective. The IRS had just announced some reasonable measures to, in their words, combat offshore tax evasion. What's wrong with that? Shouldn't everyone pay taxes they owe? Especially the super wealthy, who are the ones who engage in offshore tax evasion. Apparently not. In the bizarre world of Fox News, the rich and powerful who control the world are portrayed as pitiful victims in need of protection. I love those people. Not content that the top 5% of income earners pay more than 70% of all the taxes in our great country. So the agency is finding a new way to squeeze the wealthy. I'll stop for animation. We have a new global high wealth operating unit where we're taking a unified look at the entire web of business and economic entities controlled by high wealth individuals so we can better assess their compliance. Talk about uh, very consumer friendly. Yeah, that, that might be because the United States is running out of money. Uh, the problem, many of these people are the ones creating jobs, those high wealth individuals. So is it really a good idea to go after them? Squeeze the wealthy. Go after them. How about Laura Ingram on Fox? More Americans than ever before are deciding to leave our country for good because of high taxes and onerous regulations. If we continue down this road of vilifying and penalizing prosperity, we'll have gone from soaking the rich to sinking them all together. Sinking the rich all together. Now, since the right doesn't want to be seen for what it is, shills for the rich, 
right-wingers try to cast their concern for the wealthy as actually being in the self-interest of average Americans who need jobs. Well, the IRS is announcing a new plan specifically designed to target the rich. Critics are now asking, are those the same rich who create the jobs in this country? Well, Republican Congressman Steve King of Iowa joins me live. Congressman, thanks so much for being here. So it sounds good in principle because thanks, who likes the rich? They, they, they just they seem like they have more than we do. But on the other hand, they are the ones who give us our jobs. Well, you can almost hear, Megan, the bitterness in Doug Schulman's voice when he announces this. There's, a, there's a, a tone of animosity towards the rich when he speaks of this globalization, this game changer that he referenced, uh, to go out and build a network with Japan and Germany, Canada, Australia, and Great Britain, uh, to go after the wealth in the world and try to do a more effective job of taxing and that wealth and punishing the producers. And you know, no one ever got a job from a poor person. A Fox Nation graphic boldly stated, IRS target, job providers. The right's propaganda frames the issue so that workers will say, yeah, those rich need their billions so I can have a job, so let them evade their taxes. You may already know the first point I'm going to make, that the rich don't create jobs out of thin air, out of the generosity of their hearts, and so if they could only pay less taxes, they'd be able to out of sheer kindness, create some more jobs for us commoners. No, an additional job slot is made possible when the owner of a business calculates that he or she can sell the output of your job, whether a tangible or intangible product, for more than they pay you to do that work. Nothing wrong with that. But the key point is, the only way they can sell the product for more than they pay you to make it is if someone wants to buy it, if there's demand for the product. Demand creates the conditions that allow jobs to be created. What increases demand? People having more money in their pockets to spend. They have more money in their pockets to spend when their wages go up. If you want to create more jobs, you increase wages, not give more money to the wealthy by letting them be tax cheats. Society isn't a pyramid standing on its pointed head, a tiny sliver of the ultra-rich supporting the rest of society. No, society is a right-side-up, if you'll forgive the expression, pyramid which rests on a broad foundation of the workers of the society. It's funny, I don't know if you remember or not, but in the past I've let loose with tirades about how the top 10% own 70% of the wealth in the country, but they're not satisfied with that. They want more and more. How much more do they want? 80%, 90%, all of it? I'd conclude, half in jest, that they seem to want to harken back to a feudal society where everything is owned by the lord of the manor who provides the serfs necessities as he deems appropriate out of the kindness of his heart. This current right-wing don't make the rich pay their legally owed taxes because then they won't give us jobs propaganda is the same thing. The other major point for you to consider here would be how are the rights beloved rich doing? If there were rich guys on the street corner begging for cash to make payments on their yachts, well then, maybe the right wing's concern for their plight that they're being sunk would make sense at least emotionally, if not economic theory-wise. But the reality is that the rich are doing better than ever before in the history of the country. For example, it recently came to light that 
Contrary to popular belief, the executives of Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers were not wiped out financially when their companies melted down. Quite the contrary. Their net take from 2000 to 2008 averaged a cool quarter billion dollars each. These guys need no right-wing pity or protection. Likewise, with the latest stat the right-wing is hollering about, and which you may have already had thrown in your face. Laura Ingram again. Consider this staggering fact. The top 1% of wage earners in America pay more than 40% of the overall tax bill for the nation. And the left is still arguing that the system is not progressive enough? Notice how she said wage earners, as if the richest 1% earn their keep on hourly wage jobs. More importantly, I've almost never heard any progressive effectively counter this 1% pays 40% propaganda with the simple retort, yes, that's because they earn so much of the national income pie. This is a stat you've heard me say many times. The richest 1% have nearly tripled their share of the national income pie in the last 30 years. It went from 8.5% to 23%. So if they earn 23% and pay 40% of the taxes, that's not even enough, given that we should have a much more progressive taxation system than that. In fact, if you look at the stats, their share of taxes didn't increase proportionally with their share of the income nearly tripling. So that's why their after-tax income has more than tripled in 30 years. While those at the bottom have, as one writer put it, barely moved an inch. According to government figures, the total federal tax burden on the wealthiest 1% and even higher of Americans ranges from about 30 to 32 percent. That includes income tax, Social Security and Medicare taxes, excise taxes for gas, alcohol, etc., and corporate taxes. If a person's making tens of millions of dollars, it's hardly unreasonable that they pay 30 to 32 percent in federal taxes, wouldn't you say? Now, wealth is unspent income, excess income, accumulated over time. To repeat what I've said many times, probably the most mind-boggling stat I've encountered in doing this podcast is that the richest 400 American families have more wealth than the entire bottom half of the nation than 57 million American families. And that's who Laura Ingram and her ilk want us to be worried about? Up next, I have two new juicy stats for you in this realm. One may take the place of the 400 family stat as number one in the Blast the Right lexicon. Stay tuned. Your one-minute voting report. How about we spread the Blast the Right brand of progressive thought by increasing our audience size? The best way to do that is to have a prominent position on the iTunes News and Politics feature page. Five-star reviews and ratings for Blast the Right put us on that page. So, if you haven't done so already, please write a five-star review or click a five-star rating for Blast the Right in the iTunes Music Store.
You only have to do it once. It stays up there forever, countering the right-wing one-star sabotage reviews. Also, if you have a spare 30 seconds, you can mosey on over to podcastalley.com and vote for Blast the Right on that fine website. Every month is a new vote there for its national top 10 listing. All your support is most appreciated. Thanks. Here are the new stats suitable for use in your combat with the right. First, the compensation Wall Street paid itself in 2009 was greater than the combined budget gaps of all 50 states last fiscal year. Wall Street racked up $145 billion and 50 states bled with a $117 billion shortfall. Any connection? Second is the really super amazing stat that may become my number one favorite. It's built on several other public numbers. Let me paint you the picture. Last month, a magazine calculated that the top 25 hedge fund managers averaged $1 billion, billion with a B, $1 billion each in compensation in 2009. These 25 guys together took home a $25.3 billion paycheck. Now, the right always replies when you bring up the outlandish compensation of those in the financial world Athletes make a lot of money. Why don't you complain about that? So I took a look at this. What's the total payroll of Major League Baseball? Every ball player combined on every team, their total is only about two and three quarter billion dollars. Gee, the 25 hedge fund managers got paid almost 10 times as much. What about if we add in all the players in the NBA? And for good measure, every football team in the NFL. Think of the amazing skills of these professional athletes and the joy and happiness they bring to millions who follow their endeavors. You know what? If you combine the salaries of all the professional athletes playing Major League Baseball, NBA basketball, and NFL football, the total is still only about a third of what the 25 hedge fund managers made. But there's more. This sports comparison is a bit lighthearted. Let's get serious, deadly serious. There are over one million students in the New York City public schools. Tens of thousands of teachers instruct them. It's not an easy job, and it's a critically important one for society, creating an educated workforce and voting population that will one day run the country. Collectively, all these tens of thousands of teachers earn only about a quarter as much as the 25 hedge fund manager billionaires. Wait, more to come. Over 10,000 firemen serve the people of New York City, risking their lives every day to stop conflagrations from spreading and rescuing those unfortunate enough to be stranded in burning buildings. But the 25 hedge fund guys make more than all the New York City firemen combined. In fact, the 25 hedge fund guys make more than all the teachers and firemen combined. New York City has 8 million people. 
Tens of thousands of New York City policemen risk their lives every day to protect New York City residents from property crimes and crimes of violence. As you may anticipate my saying, not only do the 25 hedge fund guys make more than all the policemen in New York City, but they make more than all the teachers, firemen, and police in New York City combined. And here's the grand finale. If you add, perhaps incongruously, but most instructively, if you add together the amount of money made in a year by all Major League Baseball players, all NFL football players, all NBA basketball players, all the teachers in New York City, all the firemen in New York City, and all the police in New York City, you still wouldn't come anywhere near the amount of money that the 25 hedge fund managers somehow figured out a way to rake in as pay in 2009. And the right wing expresses concern about the plight of the put-upon wealthy? Is this screwed up or what? What kind of an economic system rewards two dozen guys shuffling piles of money around and betting other people's money thousands of times more than those teaching our children, than those risking their lives to protect the citizenry from crime and fire? What kind of a crazy system, inappropriate rules, do we have? And to add insult to injury, the hedge fund guys pay only a low 15% capital gains rate on much of their compensation, while everyone else, I've mentioned, has to pay up to about 40% at regular marginal income tax rates. Up next, prospects for change, including polling data, some recent, some stretching back to the Great Depression, that'll give you another powerful mouthful to share with your favorite friendly local right-winger. Stick around. So you wear the vestments of ill-gotten legacy Bankrolled by CEOs and died by Christian destiny You give us empty words and flags to rally around But the rest of it don't seem to trickle down to Streets of hopeless faces, mortgaged and foreclosed Downsized part-time jobs, forsaken by the HMOs Sucking up the welfare when there's more to subsidize And they won't just go away if you What are the prospects for change? In the last year, there's been rising disaffection with government in general and certain of Obama's policies in particular, especially on health care. Yet during that same time period, support has remained steady at three-fifths of Americans in favor of tougher measures to regulate Wall Street. On the other hand, you have the unfathomable financial power of Wall Street. In the last 10 years, the financial industry spent more than $3.9 billion to influence policy in the nation's capital. Of course, our friends, the wealthiest hedge fund managers, were part of these heavy contributions. Beyond Wall Street is the issue of taxes on the wealthy in general. 
there are some increases upcoming. In 2013, the Medicare payroll tax will go up just shy of a percent for individuals who make over $200,000 a year, couples $250,000. And a Medicare payroll tax of 3.8% will now apply to investment income, interest, capital gains, dividends, the like, of these same taxpayers. But again, on the other hand, Congress can't seem to change the rule that allows hedge fund managers to pay a capital gains rate of 15% on some of their income instead of the higher ordinary income rate. The House has passed such legislation, but the Senate blocks it. Democrats as well as Republicans. They're addicted to those financial industry campaign contributions. As far as raising the marginal rates overall on the wealthy, Obama says he still intends to let the Bush tax cuts expire on those $200,000-plus individual, $250,000-plus couples' households. What about raising the rates even more than that? Despite all the right-wing, loud-decibel propagandizing that the people want lower taxes, the people apparently don't want lower taxes on upper-income folks. The people want higher taxes on them. A recent Quinnipiac poll asked, quote, Do you think raising income taxes on households making more than $250,000 should or should not be a main part of any government approach to the deficit? Close quote. This was supported by 60% of the public and, interestingly, an even higher percentage of those actually making over $250,000. And get this. When the income threshold for the increased tax is raised to $1 million, support shoots up to 72%, including a majority of Republicans. I've often wondered why income brackets don't increase as the millions pile on. Shouldn't someone making $50 million a year pay more than someone making one-hundredth that, $500,000 a year? Right now, they pay the same rate. Don't let a right-winger tell you that the Quinnipiac poll results are an anomaly. The Gallup polling organization has been asking the American public since 1939 the following question. Quote, Do you think our government should or should not redistribute wealth by heavy taxes on the rich? Close quote. Back in 1939, only a little more than a third of Americans agreed. But the number has climbed steadily and now a majority of Americans agree with this proposition. Congressmen and women, listen to your constituents. To put these huge income numbers in perspective, if one of those $1 billion hedge fund managers were taxed at 99%, he'd still be left with $10 million, an amount equal to about four lifetimes of the pre-tax earnings of the average American. Speaking of those 25 hedge fund managers who together made more than the combined salaries of all baseball, football, and basketball players, plus all New York City teachers, firemen, and police, speaking of them, remember that these hedge fund managers produce no tangible product, no artistic or intellectual output, nothing any human being can use or enjoy. They simply work to make as much money as possible by placing financial bets utilizing outrageously complex financial instruments. Remember, 
The purpose of these financial instruments, as utilized by Wall Street generally, is to hide a company's true financial condition, hide debt, avoid capital requirements, evade taxes. But even that's not good enough for the big shots on Wall Street. They're now charged with outright fraud. The Securities and Exchange Commission just sued Goldman Sachs for creating financial instruments designed to fail, but not telling purchasers of those instruments that they were designed to fail. So those purchasers lost their money. It was a hedge fund manager, John A. Paulson, who asked Goldman to create these instruments. Paulson had identified a bunch of mortgage loan pools he felt would go bad and wanted to bet against them. So we went to Goldman and Goldman created the instruments that allowed Paulson to bet against these mortgage pools. Goldman even told prospective purchasers that these instruments were created with the advice of an independent manager, but neglected to mention the fact that the manager was betting on the instruments to fail. I don't know why Paulson wasn't indicted along with Goldman. I read because he didn't sell the bad securities directly to anyone. Can't they get him on conspiracy to commit securities fraud or something like that? Anyway, in case you're wondering, yes, Paulson was one of those 25 hedge fund managers who averaged a billion dollars in earnings last year. Paulson's political contributions have mainly been to Democrats. Houston, we have a problem. I agree with the commentator who called these financial charlatans, quote, traders whose shell games broke the economy and stuck us with the bill, close quote. Yet, it is just these types of high-income individuals that the right wing is crying crocodile tears over because the IRS wants them to pay the taxes they legally owe. Before I close, I want you to see how truly absurd it gets. The right is trying to get us to worry that all these magnificent rich people, if we keep picking on them, will leave the country. Stuart Varney in the last three months of last year, the last quarter of 2009, double the number of people for all of 2008 renounced their U.S. citizenship, <laughs> gave back their green cards, essentially left the country. Right. Those are probably very wealthy people who saw this move coming from the IRS and are getting out while they can. Throughout Europe and now in America, if you are very rich, even relatively rich, you're going to lose half your income to taxation. Now, is that fair? You're certainly going to chase people away to the likes of Monaco, where tax rates are much, much lower. Monaco! They'll all flee to Monaco! I say, good riddance. A blast the right mantra has long been that everything the right wing does is designed to accomplish one of two things. Either A, transfer wealth from everyone else to the already rich, or B, distract everyone else from the fact that A, that wealth transfer, is occurring. That's it, plain and simple. You can't get around it. You have to face it and then be prepared for the consequences. We once had a president who did and was. Listen to FDR. We had to struggle with the old enemies of peace, Business and financial monopoly, speculation, reckless banking, class antagonism, sectionalism, 
war profiteering. They had begun to consider the government of the United States as a mere appendage to their own affairs. And we know now that government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob. Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. Would that we had such a president today. You and I have to push Obama to be such a president. Roll up your sleeves, it ain't going to be easy. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, tell a friend about Blast the Right, vote for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley, and of course, write a five-star review or click a five-star rating for Blast the Right in the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for help with this week's show to Ellen from Kansas City and Jeffrey from D.C. Someone who doesn't like to be named also did a phenomenal job of finding stats for me. You know who you are. Thanks. On a different note, I want you to know there's a way you can support Blast the Right financially at no cost to yourself at all. How? If you're going shopping on Amazon.com, just click through to there through the link on the right side of my homepage. Everything will be the same for you on Amazon and... Amazon will send Blast the Right a small commission based on what you buy there. How's that for easy? Music credits. The break music was The Schnee Speaks by Cagey House combined with the alternate Blast the Right theme by Nye's Music, Not the One Blues by Burnsheet Thornside, and Kill the Poor by Matthew Grimm and the Red Smear. We'll close on a light note with Just What the Idiots Want. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. I'm also now posting transcripts of each show. All of these are linked to off the main podcast homepage. You get to the main podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. I love getting your email. You can write to me, rational at roadrunner.com. Sometimes I fall behind and don't reply to some of them, but I do read every single email. You could also leave a comment for me to play on the show. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. Another way to leave a message is on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Just can't seem to let